Welcome to the Overboy Show. This is Antonio from No Marks Allowed. Let's get right into it. WrestleMania 38. I flew back in from Dallas, so the episode is kind of late. But it's nothing that really happened in wrestling since then. And I said that I probably wouldn't go to this mania because it was the weakest mania on paper ever. But I also said this, and that's why you can give me the title of the receipt game. Here's what I said about WrestleMania a few weeks ago. We've seen that plenty of times. Or we've seen it a few times. We've seen them wrestle each other before. Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair. I feel like if they was going to have this match at WrestleMania, why did they have it on Raw in the Saudi Arabia show in some form or fashion or whatever it was? But they wrestled whether it was them in a singles match or a tag team match. They should have kept them away from each other. The Miz and Logo Poor versus the Mysterios. Edge versus AJ Styles. Now on paper... That sounds like a good match, but with these guys' age and the way they've been performing lately, it might be a dud. But the thing is, some cards that's garbage on paper turn out good to be, you know, good uh, shows in ring. Carmella and Kuhn. And that's what exactly happened. You know, I had four seats for the first night, ringside seats for the second, and... It was like everybody was hitting me up like, this is entertaining as hell. Oh, I can't wait to buy my ticket for LA this year. I should have came. Blase, blase, blase. Bad cards on paper usually, or sometimes bad cards on paper be great in the ring. And what's up with Vince McMahon? Is he taking a, a play out of the playbook of Tony Khan at All Out? Like, you're not the only one that can do surprises. I got some tricks up my sleeve too. The rally vet Vince McMahon showed Tony Khan that he can pull surprises out his ass. The first one was really not a surprise. It was Cody Rhodes. And we never knew it was going to be Cody Rhodes officially. No one announced it, but they said it was going to be a surprise opponent. And then some people live at the arena thought it was going to be The Undertaker because The Undertaker said, never say never. And when Seth went to the ring... Everybody was just waiting and anticipating someone to come out. And it was like, is it The Undertaker? Is it is it is it RVD? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? Then the Nightmare Family music came. It's more than one royal family. And then we heard Cody Rhodes' song, And the Place Erupted. And I'm sitting right behind Pat McAfee while it's happening. It was just amazing. And Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins had a great match. Bianca Belair, she got her redemption against Becky Lynch. She had, you know, went out bad at SummerSlam, 27 seconds. And that just didn't look good. It wasn't a good look for WWE. It wasn't a good look for Bianca Belair. She had opportunities to get that title back after that, whether it was a triple threat match or whether it was some other kind of match against Becky Lynch to get her title back. She didn't get it. But her and Becky Lynch had a fucking masterpiece of a match. And it was a stiff kick that Becky hit her with. And you see Bianca's eyes were swollen. And um, she looked like she got hit with a stiff-ass punch or a kick. Because she showed up on Raw showing her war wounds. But her uh, her entrance was all that. She came in with an um, African-American college band. I don't remember it by heart. But it was a banging match. And like... Bianca Belair, 
I was there at WrestleMania 37 when she won the SmackDown title. And, you know, there this year when she won the WWE Raw title. So Bianca Belair is definitely the best black woman wrestler out today. And she earned it because all the time she came up short on NXT, who would have thought she would have been the top female wrestler in WWE today, now? So... Even though I was against her losing in 27 seconds at SummerSlam, I can see that it led up to a payoff. Now, we had Stone Cold Steve Austin, the first surprise that Vince pulled out. Or the first real surprise Vince pulled out. Because we all thought that, you know, Kevin Owens was just going to talk his shit. Steve Austin was going to talk his shit. And then Steve Austin was going to stun her, stun him. But Kevin Owens called Steve Austin out in Texas. And when he did that, I was like, oh, we in for the treat. Because ain't no way Stone Cold would be like, no, I'm not doing this tonight. I'll, I'll whoop your ass. But not tonight and leave. No, that's not what Stone Cold does. That's what a heel does. Stone Cold took it upon himself, not being in the, in the ring 19 years, and end up accepting the set challenge from Kevin Owens. And shit got real because Kevin Owens, you know, he was losing the majority of the match, but then he got that second win and he was able to get some offense off. And then KO fucked around and hit him with a stunner. It's like, oh shit, he about to beat Stone Cold. And Stone Cold kicked out of that shit. I was like, how the fuck he kicked out of that? He ain't been in the ring in 19 years. He's like 50 years old. And Stone Cold still knows how to wrestle. He still knows how to have a good match. He still has that psychology. Any wrestling fan, whether you're a casual, diehard, can appreciate a brawl. And that's what Stone Cold did. You know, he ended up taking the victory, ended up chasing Kevin Owens with the ATV. That night one was just incredible. And we was all wondering, what can, you know, they do to match night one or night two, because night one was the better night. And if Stone Cold was going to be the de facto main event of, you know, WrestleMania 38, he had to wrestle. If he was going to be the last thing we seen on night one, he would have had to wrestle. Or unless you could have put Charlotte Flair and Ronda at the end, end, or Becky Lynch and um, Bianca, but... They did the right thing having Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestle. Another surprise match that was really good was Logan Paul and Miz against the Mysterios. That match really was amazingly good because Logan Paul got the heat by doing Eddie Carrero's move on the Mexican Dominic Mysterio. And Logan Paul looked good, especially when he did the frog splash. One thing about Logan and Jake Paul is they hate or Logan and Jake Paul, but those guys perform, and they perform well. Even against Mayweather, even though he lost, he went for it. He was swinging, he was swinging for the fences against Mayweather. Even though he didn't hit him, he was sure trying to knock him out, but he lost that match. But Logan Paul was a huge winner at WrestleMania. Bianca Belair and Stone Cold Steve Austin, those were the three big winners in night one. Oh, and Cody Rhodes as well, because Cody Rhodes defeated Seth. And everybody was like, why he beat Seth? Well, Seth don't give a fuck. Seth done everything he could do in WWE. He'll take a loss to Cody if it's going to get him to sign with the company. That's what you call sacrificing, you know, for the company. So I feel like Cody Rhodes 
did the right thing by going over. And WrestleMania night one was just amazing. Like I said before, sometimes a card that's weak on paper ends up being great matches on, you know, in the ring. And I just enjoyed night one. Night two, I had better seats. I had like ringside. I sat right next to the families of the celebrity um, wrestlers that was in there, like Pat McAfee, um, the Pauls, uh, Johnny Knoxville. I sat right behind their families. And it's funny because Westside Gun had a front row and he was um, right on the opposite of me, like we're like staring at each other. And one of the posts I put up on my Instagram was me and Westside Gun was recording the Stone Cold Austin Vince McMahon altercation at the same time. As you can see, I'm recording. Then you see Westside Gun from Griselda recording the same shit. So WrestleMania two night one was hard.
predicted that was going to steal the show of night two was, you know, Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. And boy, was I not wrong. And this is the second big surprise that Vince McMahon pulled out. Like, I'm literally sitting right next to Pat McAfee's wife. And it was amazing for him to, to have his WrestleMania moment. You know, Adam Cole was, like, his good friend. They had an angle where they went hard. Two good matches on NXT. You had the singles match between Adam Cole then you had the rest, you had the NXT TakeOver War Games with, you know, Pat McAfee's higher guns against the Undisputed Era. And, you know, we all thought that Adam Cole was going to be the one to move up and get his WrestleMania moment. But it wasn't. It was the punter. It was his best friend, his good friend, Pat McAfee, who was a commentator. And one thing that Vince McMahon did that was slick as shit was the WWE been shit all year. But slowly and gradually, as we've seen WrestleMania season come upon us, he brought the big stars back one by one. He brought back Becky at SummerSlam. Brought back Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Brought back Sasha Banks right before WrestleMania. And she said, you're looking at the new WWE tag, Women's Tag Team Champions. Then he brought back Stone Cold weeks from WrestleMania. So that's why everybody wanted to come to this WrestleMania. A lot of people was like, no, um, I'm going to go to the one in L.A. because that's the one The Rock's going to show up. But it was a sentiment, I think, probably a week before WrestleMania where everybody is like, fuck it, I'm going. Because a lot of people said they wasn't going and they end up going. Um like, I missed Wale Mania. I missed a lot of stuff. Only thing I went to was NXT TakeOver and the two Manias in Raw. And the TakeOver was great. I mean, it had a good house, but it wasn't sold out like it was back in the day in Brooklyn and Portland. But it has sold out. I mean, Vince did do some damage to that brand. But if you're there alive and probably watch it every day, I can see why a person would enjoy it. But yeah... Pat McAfee did extremely well against Austin Theory. But then Vince, you know, took off his shirt, caught the fade at 76 years old, went in there, took on Pat McAfee, and, you know, Austin Theory cheated and ended up winning right in front of Pat McAfee's wife. And then we seen Stone Cold come out and do what we all love. We just all love this when Stone... We can see this a million times and it never get old. Stone Cold drinking the beer with Vince, acting like he's entertaining the friendship, and then kicks him in the stomach and then stuns him. But the thing is, Vince, you know, he's kind of old. He could barely stand up, so he couldn't sell it like Pat McAfee sold it. And this is what I like the most. Pat McAfee sold the shit out that shit. Because I thought Pat McAfee and Stone Cold was going to rejoice after, you know, Vince winning and Pat McAfee beating Austin, but Vince went over against... You know, Pat, I thought, you know, they was going to ride off in the sunset. Nope. Kick to the stomach and Stone Cold stunner. So that was awesome. So Vince pulled out some surprises. Then we had the Johnny Knoxville versus, uh, you know, Johnny Knoxville versus uh, Sami Zayn. And my friend that was sitting next to me, my homeboy Rob, he was like, you know, we don't need this, but I'm enjoying this shit out of it. And I thought this was going to be a goofy match when it was, but it was so fucking entertaining. He got slapped with the big hand, and then the way he lost was humiliating. 
and funny. Like he lost by getting pinned by a giant mousetrap. And then Wee Man even showed up and he got some moves in and everybody was sharing. But when he knocked Wee Man out, the crowd was like, boo, boo. Sami Zayn got over by actually losing. Those are matches we're going to remember, remember forever at WrestleMania. And then we had the main event, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. And I feel like, you know, Roman Reigns, Brock couldn't carry him. Like, I excuse this match because they said it was the biggest match in WWE history, but it was the same match they had in New Orleans at WrestleMania 34, except for Paul Heyman and the two titles was on the line. Paul Heyman saved this whole feud and this whole match. Because the match was garbage. And that's why Sports Illustrated shouldn't have gave Roman Reigns wrestler of the year. Because he cannot carry a main event and his matches aren't that good. That's why Sports Illustrated gave it to, not Sports Illustrated, but Pro Wrestling Observer and everybody else gave it to Kenny Omega. Because Kenny Omega's main events had greater matches. And Brock can't carry Roman. When it's two big guys together, it never works. It just never does. But other than that, WrestleMania was an 8.5 out of 10. Some people say 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. And these are the seats that they gave you if you sat in the first nine rows. Um, this is the seat for night one, which is a Stone Cold Kevin Owens um, seat, animated drawing, which is dope. And this is the seat for night two. Now, you know when they be having those seats for like $10,000, $5,000 in their first and second rows, now I know why they charge that much because they know they're not gonna buy them, and if no one's gonna, if someone wants to buy them, oh well. If if they don't, they're gonna put VIPs in those seats because the two rows in front of me was always filled with some celebrities. Like they'll put Zeke Elliott, George Kiddo, and Jake Paul in in the two rows in front of me. Then after their match is over, Zeke Elliott and the football players will will, will stay there. Then they'll move some Texas Rangers. They'll sit them in front of us. Then when it's Pat McAfee's match, they'll move them out of there and put Pat McAfee's wife, you know, and his family in those seats. Like, the first two rows, WWE VIPs kept putting different people in those two two rows um, behind the commentary because we was right behind Johnny Knoxville's family as well. And when Johnny Knoxville was getting his ass whooped, his daughter was crying. And then, like, every time those matches was over, like I said before, it would be more VIPs in there. Like, it was these bad bitches that got sat, that, that was sitting in front of us for, like, two matches. And Rob was like, man, I'm just looking at these women. I mean, damn, they're gorgeous. I was like, I know. Then, as soon as uh, Pat McAfee came... Those guards was told to leave. Then Pat McAfee and his wife and his family came and sat in those seats. And, like, we seen everybody sitting, like, interchanging from NFL players, Texas Rangers, from basketball players. They all was putting in them seats that no one brought, those first two rows. So now I know the method of WWE's madness when they put people, when they charge these expensive seats. I finessed on this one. I sold this one for one hundred and thirty. They go for one fifty. If you wasn't there and you, you you sat on the floor, these seats cost. Um, like if you were to order these from WWE.com and didn't go or didn't have a floor seat, they'll cost one fifty each. If you sat in the first ten rows, you can 
take these home. I sat in row five the first night and then row three right behind the commentators the second night. So I finessed on this one. I sold this one, one for 130 Now, people that didn't have their wristbands on, if they got caught walking out the door, they'll get, be asked to show their ticket. And if they don't have the ticket in the first and the 10 rows, that usher would take the seat from them. So I sold mine for 130 So I had an usher that had two chairs in, them, in their hand. I was like, hey, somebody took my chair. I got these wristbands and there's people walking out there that don't got wristbands that sat in the nose when he's coming in to get chairs. And he had two chairs and he was like, show me your ticket. I was like, yeah, they don't want a ticket. He gave me another chair. So I had two chairs, sold one for 130 Then some guy offered me 50 for this one. I'm like, you out your fucking mind. You must sit and check WWE.com. If you don't go to WrestleMania, you can buy these chairs for 150 each. Plus a million in shipping because it's heavy.
Now we've seen Cody Rhodes debut at WrestleMania and like The Undertaker said, never say never because this is going to open a Pandora's box of wrestlers that left WWE, went to AEW and came back. Because Jericho got himself hot again. He can go back to WWE anytime he wants if his contract doesn't go well if he wants to. Adam Cole can do the same thing. Adam Cole, CM Punk, those guys are getting huge pops. After their contract runs out, they can go back to WWE and get a WrestleMania moment because now they say, well, you can't put me on NXT. CM Punk, you can't put me on NXT. Darby Allin, if he wants to leave after his contract got, oh, you can't put me in NXT. I'm going to debut at WrestleMania. Who else? Cody Rhodes? MJF? He's getting hot in AEW now. He can go to WWE and be like, you can't put me on NXT. You see what I did in AEW? We kicked your ass. So now Tony Khan, he has some thinking about the deal. He's going to have to break the bank or people are going to leave. Why do you think the Young Bucks didn't go to WWE? Because they know they can always go to WWE. I think they was probably like 33, 35, 34 when they joined AEW. You know why they be signed for two more years? Because they can be 40 and still go to WWE and make a shitload of money. There's no hurry to go to WWE. You see what Cody did. Like, Cody, is a, he came to WWE in the perfect timing because WWE has no one to take on Roman Reigns. No one. So you almost got to put Cody in that spot. You see what I'm saying? So this is not the last person that will jump ship from AEW to go to WWE. This won't be the first person. Well, Cody won't be the first, and this won't be the last person from AEW that jumps ship. And like I said, CM Punk was was real hot in WWE. Cody wasn't even hot in WWE, and he came back to WWE. Imagine if Adam Cole decided to go back. Imagine if, if Cody Rhodes, I mean, not Cody Rhodes, imagine if CM Punk decides to go back. It was simple, really. The star that left them in the dust. <laughs> the man standing there now, having signed a multi-year agreement with World.
this is where watching too much wrestling can go wrong. And this is why, you know, AEW also has nothing to worry about after WrestleMania. Because everybody brags about the Raw after Mania. And I wasn't going to go to Raw after Mania. I was happy with the NXT TakeOver. That was a great show. WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 was a great show. So my homeboy Rob was like, is you going to Raw? And he was just pushing going to Raw after Mania. And this is why AEW has nothing to worry about. And I said, I don't know, man. My hotel is right across the street from the stadium. It's a pain in the ass. I might just stay in the hotel and watch, like, the college basketball championship because I run the sports show no more. It's allowed sports sneakers and culture. So my homeboy Rob was like, is you going to Raw contingent if you can get a ride back to the hotel without paying for an Uber? Because Uber's going to be expensive. This going to be expensive. Coming back from... Dallas back to AT&T Stadium where the hotel was in Arlington. I was like, yeah, if I can get a ride, I could go. So I spent money on good seats for Raw, and it was a waste of fucking money. And that almost ruined the whole WrestleMania weekend. That's why too much wrestling is not good. Like, we were on cloud 25 after WrestleMania. After that bullshit Raw, we were so disappointed and we were down. And then Rob was like, yo, Tone, you hooked me up. That was the realest shit that ever happened to me wrestling-wise, sitting that close. Thanks for the hookup. And then that, you know, got me to say, well, it was a good experience. You know what I mean? But Rob was so garbage. It was the same matches we had at NXT TakeOver, Braun Breaker winning this time. And then we had uh, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan take on Sasha Banks and they told me again. Then Cody did, like, a long-ass promo. It was a bunch of segments. And what was funny is that the middle of Rhea Ripley's and Liv Morgan match against Sasha Banks and um, Naomi. So Naomi is in the ring with Rhea Ripley, and, Na and Rhea Ripley is getting her offense um, on. And all of a sudden, you hear, break it down, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's like DX music. So everybody is like, what the fuck? And getting hyped. Sasha's like, what? So is there a DX woman that's about to come beat these bitches' asses or what? Or what is going on? Like, no one knew what was going on. And then the music stopped. But the music played, are you ready for a good 15, 30 seconds? And the crowd says, you fucked up. You fucked up. And then Rhea Ripley was like, yeah, bring I'm like, what is this bullshit? So I was planning on leaving and catching, like, the rest of the college championship, um, the college basketball championship, and there's leaving Raw. But I looked on my phone, and North Carolina was winning by 15. I said, no, I'm going to stick it through. And that was terrible. I shouldn't have stuck it through because... Kansas ended up coming back and beating North Carolina. So I missed a good game for this bullshit Raw. And this almost ruined my whole WrestleMania weekend. Going to that bullshit Raw, because that's the last event that you went to. After that night, you was going to sleep and then flying home. So it was like, bro, like, the morale for me and a lot of fans, a lot of overs was down. And, and, and a lot of fans had to be down at the Raw. Raw. My boy, Burley boy, boy Kev, was like, this Raw is bullshit. And I thought people was just being hard on Raw, but no. Three hours of that shit is horrible. 
like the stupid Elias shit. Then there was a new guy beating up Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Now, Cody Rhodes did take on um, Kevin Owens. I don't know if that was a dark match or not. Did you guys see that on Monday Night Raw? But Cody Rhodes beat Kevin Owens. And this goes to show you that AEW has nothing to worry about. You know what I mean? Because if you can't get TV right, that's what AEW is doing. They only have four pay-per-views. WWE got 12. So you know AEW's TV is going to be right. Sometimes it might be average if they're coming off an all-out or a double or nothing or a revolution. But AEW's TV is going to be right. And I feel like now, after that Raw, AEW can, like, you know, kick their feet up and be like, okay, now they're back on that bullshit. Right? That's why Raw shouldn't be right after Mania. AEW has a pay-per-view. You get to have that pay-per-view moment sink in until Wednesday. Or Tuesday, if you decide to watch Dark. Most people don't. So, until Wednesday, you remember those great matches that happened on that AEW pay-per-view. And that's the bad thing about Monday Night Raw being right after Mania. Because if it's some bullshit, you can forget about the whole media. So, yeah. AEW has nothing to worry about. And too much wrestling can ruin your week. So, don't be greedy like BMX said. You've been eating long enough. Stop being greedy. So I got a question. Can Keith Lee be AEW's champion by double or nothing or all out? Yo, Keith Lee, if he can get past Will Hobbs and this thing with, you know... Vicky Starks in the next few weeks and he can run through some contenders. This would be the perfect time to make Keith Lee their heavyweight champion. Because you got Jade, the TBS champion. Then you have uh, Scorpio Sky, the, you know, the TNT champion. Keith Lee winning that belt from Hangman Page will shut all that diversity shit up. And if Keith Lee wins that belt from Hangman Page, he will be the best black wrestler in the industry with the best wrestling's belt. And this will shut the motherfuckers' mouths up that talk about Tony Khan not having diversity. So all these niggas that talk about Tony Khan not having diversity, what about the WWE? Like, y'all go to the WWE to watch them black wrestlers Hell no, nah. y'all niggas is wearing Roman Reigns shirts. You see what happened to the New Day at WrestleMania? Then Bobby's title one was short like leprechauns, like Biggie said. And MVP turned on him for almost. So it's like WWE just emasculates black men. Like after the New Day lost, Butch, um, who was uh, Pete Dunne, beat the shit out of Kofi with a chair and... Rob was like, my homeboy Rob that was sitting next to me, he's a white guy, and he was like, man, it's just a shame. New Day is just, you know, going through it. First they be champions, then they be tag teams, then they're getting jobbed, First, then they have a run, then they be getting jobbed. I was like, well, that happens when you're in the WWE for a long fucking time. But it doesn't happen to people like Randy Orton. But it does, it, I've seen it happen to, like, the colored wrestlers uh, or the the ethnic wrestlers like Rey Mysterio, uh, Kofi Kingston, Bobby Lashley, and, you know, uh, fucking uh, Big E. Like, 
they put this title on Keith Lee, niggas is gonna buy them Keith, Keith Lee t-shirts. You see what I'm saying? Like, Keith Lee is the limitless one. Black people like him. White people like him. You can buy a limited sh limitless shirt. You can't buy a New Day shirt. You don't. You can't buy a Bobby Lashley shirt because you don't know the next time they don't go on three or four match losing streaks in pay-per-views. So even people say, well, Roman Reigns ain't that good of a wrestler. Well, if, eight, if WWE keeps booking them to win shit, he don't get over Because even if your favorite wrestler is Bobby Lashley, you ain't going to wear that shit to Mania because you don't know if he don't win or not. Or you ain't going to wear that New Day. You don't wear Roman Reigns because you want to be associated with a winner. So when you walk out and you see a bad bitch or a bad you want to holler at that's a wrestling fan, you probably want to have a Roman Reigns tee on or a head of the table shirt on. You don't want to have a Kofi Kingston shirt on where he just got beat with a chair. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or a Bobby Lashley shirt on where he just got dominated by almost and turned on by the MVP. Like, I love my black wrestlers, but I got to tell the truth when black people try to say AEW don't have diversity just because you like WWE better and WWE is treating black wrestlers like shit. I love my black fans. I love my black wrestlers, but I'm going to speak out on it. I'm not saying that the New Day and the black wrestlers and the WWE is garbage. I'm saying WWE is not treating them fair. So Tony Khan can shut all these people up by putting the title on Keith Lee because Keith Lee is a top five wrestler. In the game, and that's who you want to have, a top five in-ring wrestler that's in the game, have your belt. So Tony Khan can be like, ah, ha, 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 your Monday Night Raw show was shit, your SmackDown show was shit, and now you treat the black wrestlers like garbage. I got Keith Lee, the limitless one, who's a top five black wrestler who can have great matches with Kenny, who can have great matches with Adam Cole, who can have great matches with Real Hobbs as my AEW champion. So how you like them apples? But here's a caveat. All Out is coming up. So is CM Punk ready for that AEW title? He got past Darby. He got past MJF. He got past Wardlow. He, I don't know if he wrestled Jericho yet. But is it time for CM Punk to have a homecoming title match and win that belt against Hangman or Keith Lee in a short title run? So I'm thinking Keith Lee... Could be AEW's champion, but is it too soon? And if CM Punk still wants to do great matches, but don't isn't ready to have a barn burner match to be that AEW champion, is maybe CM Punk needs to another six months to carry those matches because you know he's kind of older and he's getting his feet under him. Or should AEW put that title on Keith Lee and shut the diversity thing up? Because I can see Keith Lee being a great champion for AEW. For four, six, even a year. Because Kenny got a year. I don't know if Keith will get a year. But four to six months. And a few good good title defenses. Is how AEW is going to carry it. They only got four pay-per-views. So I just wanted to know. Should Keith Lee be the champion? Or do you think he isn't ready yet? Or is it CM Punk's time?